You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. Just to backtrack in this story, the disciples are in hiding. They have gone into a room, they close the door, they lock the door shortly after the resurrection, and Jesus appears to them. He comes in, he's standing in the midst of them. And can you imagine uh, if you were in a room, the doors are locked, and all of a sudden Jesus would appear to you there. The first thing Jesus says to them is, peace be with you. There's a reason for that, because you'd kind of freak out too if someone else had just appeared, and you had the door locked, and there they were. And uh, they weren't sure what it was. Is this a ghost, or what is this? All of a sudden, Jesus is standing there in front of them. And Jesus says to them, you know, no, this, I'm here with you. Come, and just look, at here's a scar in my hand. There's a scar on my side. I'm physically present with you. This was a resurrected body. When Jesus rose again from the dead, he had a resurrected body. One day, we too will have a resurrected body. When, he, when they touched him, he had many scars. He could have had many scars on his body, right? I mean, he was beaten. He was whipped. He could have had scars on his face, on his back. But the only scars that were remained, why is that? Were on his hands and on his side because they were covenant scars. For all eternity, Jesus will have those scars to prove that he made a covenant for you and I, that we could come into the blessings of God through what Jesus did for us. So there he arrives, and the disciples, they're just, wow, Jesus, you are alive, raised from the dead, and you're really here. Now, there's two guys that aren't there of the original 12. One is Judas. We know Judas committed suicide, so he wasn't there. But the other guy who wasn't there was Thomas. Thomas missed the meeting. Have you ever missed a meeting and said, man, I missed it. I should have been there. And I think that's what Thomas said, man, I should have been there. I don't know what he was doing, but he missed it. He might have thought, you know what, the weather's kind of bad. I don't think I'm going to go today. Or he might have thought, you know what, uh, it's kind of dangerous. I think I'll stay home. He might have thought, oh, Peter's upstaged me a couple times. I don't know if I want to go. He, I don't know what his excuse was, why he wasn't there, but he missed it. I think sometimes people miss what God's doing because for whatever reason, they didn't show up, whether it be a church or life group, whatever. There's just something about being present with God's people. And he, Thomas missed it. But you got to love Jesus because Jesus, about eight days later, he comes back again. The door is still locked, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up. And the first thing he does is he talks to Thomas, and he says to Thomas, Tom, well, first of all, he says again, you guys, uh, peace be with you. Jesus is peace, Jehovah Shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. So he brings peace, and then he talks to Thomas. He said, Thomas, I need to talk to you. And he said, Thomas, you said earlier, I'm paraphrasing here, you said earlier that you would not believe unless you saw. This is what Thomas had told the disciples. I will not believe unless I see it. He was putting seeing before believing. And Jesus comes along and he, he's in front of him. He said, Thomas, come. Look, here's my hands. Here's my side. Touch it. And the amazing thing is Peter, uh, Thomas doesn't even have to touch it. He just says, oh, my Lord and my God. Now, now that's pretty significant because this is post-resurrection, after the resurrection, and it's the first recorded declaration that Jesus is deity. Jesus, you are Lord, not just Lord. He didn't say, Jesus, you're a good teacher. He didn't say, Jesus, you're a good prophet. He said, no, Jesus, you are God. This is a declaration that Thomas makes. And he, of course, uh, believes and follows Jesus. Now, the rest of the disciples, they believe, or they had to see before they believed too, including even John. So, uh, I think sometimes we give Thomas a, a hard time. We call him the doubting disciple. But when you study the life of Thomas, he did some pretty amazing things. 
number of years ago, I was in India, and I got to go to, at that time, I was still called Madras. And if you go to Madras, India, you can go to a mountain there. You can see all the work that he did in India. Thomas did an amazing work. He went on to do something amazing. So I don't want to give Thomas too hard a time because he did some pretty cool things. Jesus said to him, do not be unbelieving, but believing. And I think he'd still say that to Coastal Church today in 2012. He said, Coastal Church, do not be unbelieving, be believing. Be believing. See, your faith will never stand still. Your faith either shrinks or grows. It, it's never static. It's either going in one direction or the other. If you don't use faith, it begins to shrink. If you use faith, like a muscle, it'll get stronger and stronger. When I was 15 years old, I had a knee operation, and they, they wrapped my leg up, and I couldn't use it for a couple of months. And, and as a youngster, you know, you want to run. You want to you do everything that everybody else is doing. And finally, after a number of weeks, they took off this big bandage on my leg, and I looked down, and I was so surprised because my one leg shrunk. It was like half the size of the other leg. Oh, no, what happened to my leg? I went to the doctor, and he says, well, you have atrophy. I go, well, what is atrophy? Is that a disease? He goes, no, no, it's not a disease. It just means that the muscles shrunk because you weren't using it. And our faith is the same way. Our faith can either grow or shrink. And that's why Jesus said, do not be unbelieving, but be believing. Your faith is the most precious thing you have. More precious than anything. More precious than gold. More precious than silver. Peter said, you know, don't be surprised if you have some trials in life. Maybe you're going through a trial right now, and Peter would say the same thing. Don't be surprised because the testing of your faith is more precious than gold. What's precious to you? Maybe you have a nice apartment. Maybe you have a nice house. Maybe you have a nice car. Maybe you've got a good bank account. Whatever is precious to you, your faith is more precious than whatever you have. Because faith is the currency of heaven. Money is the currency in this world, but faith is the currency of heaven. It's more precious than anything else. The enemy is not really after your relationships. The enemy is really not after your stuff. He's not after your, you know, other things in your life. What he really wants is your faith. If you have faith, you have enough. You could live in Tuktiuktuk, where our team was, or you could live in Timbuktu in Africa or some other part of the world. But if you have faith, if you're believing, you have enough. Faith is the most powerful force on the planet. Faith. Stronger than the atomic bomb. There's just the power of faith in a believer. Why? Because it links you to God. Believing before seeing is where we're at this morning. The kingdom operates by faith instead of fear. Fear is a reaction to the circumstances around us where faith is taking action on what God said to us. Now, we trust God because we believe He loves us. If I believe God loves me, then I will trust Him. If I could trust my earthly father, then I, I will believe him. But if I, if I can't believe in him, trust him, it's very hard to know that what he said is going to come to pass. Faith is the most precious thing you have. Faith is a spirit. 2 Corinthians 4.13. It's not in your notes, but it be a good one to write down. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, and since we have the same spirit of faith. You know, faith is a spirit. You can have a spirit of fear. Have you ever encountered fear? Maybe you walk down a back alley somewhere, and all of a sudden you just feel something cold and clammy. What is it? You can't tangibly put your finger on it, but you just sense there's a spirit. There's, there's something that goes, that's a spirit of fear. Likewise, in the kingdom of God, there's a spirit of faith. There's just something about the strength of faith. We didn't receive the spirit of faith. Uh, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what's written, I have believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. 
There's something interesting about faith. I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's happened to us a number of times where we'll pray for something and we'll believe for something, and then when it shows up, it's almost anticlimactic. It's kind of strange to say, but let me give an example. Because when you believe, you actually believe you have it before you have it. And then when you have it, you think, well, I already had it. And so it's like, I've, I've got it before it showed up. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When we were first married, guys, I have to confess, I made some big mistakes. I still make mistakes, but this was a big mistake. Because when we got married, we had a little bit of money set aside for furniture, for getting our house set up. And uh, guys, I wouldn't suggest this, but we went shopping, and I was convinced the first piece of furniture we need in our home was a deluxe stereo. <laughs> so I talked to my buddy, and we spent almost our entire budget on this latest cutting-edge technology. We had the best stereo. Our clothes were in suitcases, and uh, I don't know if you've ever done this where you take a cardboard box, turn it upside down, put a tablecloth over it, and you have furniture. So that was our furniture, and we had, we had suitcases for uh, our furniture, and, but we had a stereo. Boy, it was sweet. And my loving wife put up with me, and we bought this stereo. So we had, I, I hate to admit, and I asked in the last service, Cheryl, how many years was that? And she wouldn't even tell me in the service. Because so this is really on the down low. I don't even remember. But we had suitcases way too long. And there came a point where Cheryl nicely nudged me. She said, Dave, I think it's time we buy some furniture. And so I said, well, let's go shopping for furniture. And I didn't know what French provincial was. But apparently there's a style of furniture called French provincial. And so she liked French provincial furniture. And I liked it too. So we said, well, let's believe for French provincial furniture. We did not have the money for French provincial furniture. We had the money for our intern solution was to go to Woodward's and buy one of those pieces of furniture. You have, to, you have to finish yourself, you know, stay in yourself, four drawers, buy your own little handles. And that was our first piece of furniture. But we were believing, believing. Now, we hadn't seen it, but we were believing for this French provincial furniture. And so we, we started just to believe. We, we, hadn't, we'd, we hadn't seen it in our house. We'd seen it, what it looked like, but we just began to believe. We'd go to bed at night, and we'd, we'd pretend to open drawers, and, oh, Lord, thank you for the nice French provincial furniture. Oh, so nice to lie in this bed with French provincial furniture. And, you know, we were just believing that we would receive it. But the interesting thing was is after a number of months of that, some unexpected money came from the government, and this came in, and all of a sudden we had enough money to buy the French provincial furniture. And we bought it, and we took it out of the packaging, it all set up, and we go, oh, this is nice, but it's like we already had it. Because when we believed, we actually had received. It was, so it came, but it was like it was already there. I talked to Patrick and Carrie, who just had uh, come on staff recently at the church, and it took about nine months for their paperwork, for the immigration, everything to go through, and they had so many challenges to go through. And I asked her this past week, I said, what's it like for this finally to come through? And she says, well, it's great, but you know, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm not as excited as I thought I would be about it, because we actually believe we had it a long time ago, so now it's here, though. Because faith believes that you've received something before it even shows up. You believe that what God says is going to happen is going to happen. You know, if you, ha if you have a good father and your dad says, we're going to go to Disneyland. And the kids will go, yeah, we're going to Disneyland. You'll tell all your friends, we're going to Disneyland. 
And you just believe, you just trust. Because why? Because your dad said, your papa said, your daddy said, your Abba Father said, we will go to Disneyland. And you will go. Because you just believe him. You haven't been there, you haven't seen it, but you just trust your father. One day we will go to heaven. I haven't been to heaven, haven't seen heaven, but I believe I will be there. Why? Because God said, we will go. You believe before you see. And that works for heaven, that works for other things we believe for. Faith is this incredible thing that we have. In the kingdom, we believe before we see. Faith is a law as well. You read in Romans 3.27, where is boasting then? Is it excluded by what law of works? Catch this part. No, but by the law of faith. In the world, there's certain laws, right? There's a law of gravity. And whether you believe it or not, it's going to work for you. There's a law of calculus. There's a law of algebra. All those laws are working whether or not you believe they already are working. Same thing in the kingdom of heaven. There's a law of faith. And whether you believe in it or not, it is working. And you can use that law to, for your benefit. You can believe by faith. The just shall live by faith. In the kingdom, we live by faith, not by fear. We believe before seeing. Faith is a confident assurance. Look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. What is faith? It is a confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. This is the way the kingdom operates. It's a spiritual sense versus a natural sense. 2 Corinthians 5.7, it says, That is why we live by believing and not by seeing. Can we read that verse out loud together? Find it in your notes. Scan the QR code if you like. But let's read 2 Corinthians 5, 7 out loud together. You ready? Okay. That is why we live by believing and not by seeing. In the kingdom of God, we live by believing, not by seeing. Now, this isn't easy. Not easy for me. It's not easy for anyone. Because naturally, we want to see stuff before we believe it. But in the kingdom, when you tap into faith, when you tap into believing God's promises, even though it looks totally contrary, you can do amazing things. You can go to Africa and change children's lives and uh, bring soccer balls just because you believe. You can go to Alert Bay. You can go to your own country. You can it comes into your home. It comes into your life. There's something about faith. It's the just shall live by faith. In the kingdom of heaven, we live by believing, not by seeing. It's upside down. It's backwards. It's the upside down kingdom. In the kingdom now, we can confidently come before God. Now, this is important because he has approved us through what Jesus has done. Have you ever had to get your credit card you have to be approved to get a credit card or get approved to get a mortgage. And you know the process. And you want to buy a house or you want to do something. You want to get a bank loan and you have to get, your, you have to get approval. You've got to go through all this work, fill out reference forms and all the stuff. And then finally one day the bank calls and says, you have been approved. And it's so nice to be approved because then you can, if you want to buy a house, actually it's good to get your money, your mortgage approved before you buy it, because otherwise you may miss the opportunity to buy, right? You're not even in the front of the line because you haven't been approved. But if you've been approved, then you can do something. Uh, But if you haven't been approved, it's very difficult to. Cheryl and I are applying for our nexus, and uh, 
So we, we're, we have one more step to go. September is our last step to get the Nexus Pass. And we're waiting to be approved for the Nexus Pass. And uh, hallelujah when we get our Nexus Pass because we'll move to the front of the line. Have you ever waited at the border? And it's like, okay. You see how the Nexus cars go by? It inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get the Nexus Pass. Hour and a half sitting at to go across the border. I want to get approved for Nexus. They do a criminal check. They, you know, you have to pay some money. They do all this stuff. They finally get approved, and we will we'll be at the front of the line. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> but we also applied for our daughter to get Nexus approval. But, you know, for, for our daughter, we paid the fee. We did all the work. We filled it all out. And she will just automatically get the approval. But we did all the work for her. But she'll get the approval. You know this, Jesus did all the work for you to get approved. Approval for what? Approval to come before God the Father. This is, this is a revelation. You are approved. The Bible says you are righteous. Righteous just means you're approved. And you get to come before the Father. Prayer, believing, doesn't work if you don't think God approves of you. Oh, God, God can't approve of me. You know what I did wrong? I did this wrong. I did that wrong. I've messed it here. I don't think God will even want to listen to me, let alone why, why, how could I even trust Him or believe for Him because I think I messed up. You're right. You did mess up. And God may not appro- He doesn't approve of what you did, but you are approved because of what Jesus did for you. If this little piece isn't in place, not a little piece, this big piece isn't in place, our faith doesn't work. We don't trust our Father. But when we know I have been approved, not by what I did, but by what Jesus did, I have incredible confidence to believe God. Look at a couple of verses here. Uh, in your notes, 2 Corinthians five twenty one, God had Christ, who was sinless, Take our sin so we might receive God's approval through him. Now, this might shake your world a bit, may even shake your theology a bit. God doesn't just love you. God approves you. Oh, I know God loves me, but he also approves you, not by what you've done, but because what Jesus did for you. That gives us confidence to go before God and say, God, I need your help. Here's your promise. I'm believing you. I want to trust you. Ah, oh, I have approved you through what Jesus has done. You are stamped approved. You are stamped righteous. Yeah. Now, if we were amening church, that would have been a good place to amen. <laughs> Hebrews 4.16. We're conservative Canadians, and that's all right. Hebrews 4.16. Now, if I was preaching in Kentucky or in... Yeah, anyhow, we're not in Kentucky. We're in Vancouver for Hebrews 4.16. Let us then fearlessly, look at this verse, and confidently. You don't have to fear God in that way. We reverence Him, but we don't have to, oh, I can't come before God. No, He wants us confidently come, boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures, find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help, well-timed help, coming just when we need it. Not always when we think we need it. God doesn't always answer prayers the way we think He should answer our prayers, but He will never leave us, never forsake us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I like this about faith. And this, you may have a different opinion, but here's my opinion. You know what I like about faith? Faith is the same as it was when Abraham lived, when Peter lived, 
when John the Baptist was there, faith has never changed. I have a hard time keeping up with technology changes. You know that every time you've got to update your apps, you've got to update your programs. Everything needs to be updated, 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 latest model, latest version. There's only one version of faith. There's faith 1.0. It's never been added to. It's always been the same. You don't have to worry about getting upgrades. don't have to pay for upgrades. You believe God that it works the same way today as it worked thousands of years ago. And it'll work the same way 2,000 years from now. You just trust God no matter what year it is. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, yes and forever. I'm the Lord your God. I don't change. Trust me. Folks, that's good news because you could live in uh, the backside of a hill in Nepal or you could live in the heart of an urban center, but faith will work the same way wherever you are. Faith works. Believing in a God who hears us. Abraham is a great example of somebody who lived by faith. He believed God without seeing any evidence of what was promised to him. Charles Wesley was studying his life, and he wrote these words in a hymn about Abraham. Faith, mighty faith, the promises, and looks to that alone, laughs at life's impossibilities and cries, it shall be done. Laughs. You have impossibilities in your life? It says, laughs at life's impossibilities and says, it shall be done. That goes back to the verse we talked about earlier. I believed, therefore I spoke. Ah, faith has a voice. Faith is a currency. Faith moves mountains. Now, let's talk about Abraham for a bit before we wrap up this morning. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the story of Abraham. And the Lord says to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. One simple verse, but how many of you look at it, that's not so simple. That you can't just read the Bible, you have to read the Bible. Here God comes up to Abraham and he says, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your family, and I want you to go to another country. If we read in Hebrews 11, verse 8, it's in your notes as well, by faith. By faith, by believing, Abram obeyed when he was called to go to a place which he would receive his inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. You see that last part of that verse? He went out not knowing where he was going. So God, he's got a relationship with, with God. First of all, that's amazing because he does not have a Bible, Abraham. He doesn't have an internet. He doesn't have he doesn't have a podcast. He doesn't have a, a CD. He's got none of that. And he's living in a country. He's living in a place called the Ur of the Chaldees. Ur means moon. They worship the moon. And he's living in a place not too far from the Euphrates River. It would be in southern Iraq today. This is where he's living. It was the best city of the time. And they were cutting-edge technology. They had modern-day sewers. They had houses that were stacked on each other, small apartment buildings. They had libraries. They had developed math and other sciences. It was the number one city of that time to live in, and he's living in this city. And somehow, we don't know how, but somehow Abram has a relationship with God, even though his parents didn't follow God. He has this relationship with God. And one day God says to him, Abram, i got news for you. I want you to leave your country, and I want you to leave your family, and I want you to move to another place, and I'm going to, you're going to be the father of many nations, and I'm going to bless you. So he hears that, but here's the deal. He's got to come back. He's got to talk to his wife, Sarah. Now, can you imagine if your husband comes home, ladies, one day, and he says, uh, honey, we're moving. Now, he, he's not 30. He's not in his 20s. He's 75, and she's 65. So they've got some roots already in the city. He said, we're going to be moving. Oh, really? Where are we going? I don't know, but we're going to be moving. 
How many know that goes over really well, women? Because you like to have things provided. You like things in order. You like to have things stable. And, she, and he says, to her, I don't know we're moving. He says, well, what kind of house are we going to live in? Oh, well, honey, we're not going to live in a house. Now we're going to live in tents. That's a bit of a downgrade. So we're going to be living in tents. She said, but where will we shop? I'm not sure if she had said that, but where will, I, where will I do my business? How about all this that we have? And where will we see our family and, and Abraham? Do we take all our possessions? When will we come back? Oh, we're not coming back. All our possessions. Everything's packed up. All our servants. He's very wealthy. All our servants, all our herds. We're all moving. And where are we going? I don't know. Why? Because God spoke to me. God spoke to Abraham? What God spoke to Abraham? You can just hear the questions. Abraham goes down. He, he meets at Starbucks every week with the guys for coffee. And he's, he's sitting down. And he says, hey, guys, I can't meet for Starbucks coffee anymore. Why? Uh, well, we're, uh, me and the family are moving. Uh, where are you going, Abraham? Well, we're going to pack up all our herds, sell the house. We're shutting everything down, all our bank accounts, everything. I'm not selling any more hides, no more animals, no more sheep, no more donkeys, nothing. We're taking everything and we're moving. Uh, are you feeling okay, Abraham? Like, you sure everything's all right? You're 75. You can't start over again. You're going to have a mutiny on your hand. Your, your workers are going to turn on you. Where are you going? I've heard that there's civil war out there. You're going to a land you don't even know. You're going to lose everything. Abraham goes. He believed before he saw. And furthermore, Abraham also believed that he'd be a dad. Up to this point, they haven't had any children. Keep in mind, he's 75, she's 65. And Abram believes he's going to have a family. So 75 and 65, well, that's a stretch, isn't it, to believe, to get pregnant? But the years roll by. Now 80, now 85, now 90. <laughs> he's now 95, 99, and he's still chasing Sarah around because he's believing <laughs> we're going to have a family. Guys, I don't know about you, but that is incredible faith. He's <laughs> he hasn't seen any results, but he's still believing. Faith without corresponding action is dead. So we know that he is, he is believing. That is faith. Wow. Look at Romans chapter 4, 18 to 20 in your notes. When God promised Abraham that he would become the father of many nations, Abraham believed him. No evidence, but he believed. God had said, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars, even though such a promise seemed utterly impossible, believing before seeing. Abraham's faith did not weaken. He didn't get atrophy. Even though he knew that he was too old to be a father at the age of 100 and that Sarah, his wife, had never been able to have children, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Those who come to God must believe that He is, and you must believe He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. In the kingdom, in the upside-down kingdom, believing is seeing. We believe before we see. And this is what Abraham did. He believed. The blessing came to Abraham because he was willing to leave the safety of his home and absolutely trust God. And you know, for our faith, too, we will have to leave sometimes the comfort zone and just follow Him. It will not make sense. You will believe and you will say, it doesn't make sense, but I trust your word, Father, over what I see. 
I'm going to close with a prayer from Sir Francis Drake's great explorer, and this is what he prayed. And you may want to pray it. It's a, it's a strong prayer, but I think it's applicable, even for us who live in the heart of a city. Here's what he's prayed. I'm not sure you're ready for it because it's kind of a strong prayer, but I'm going to read it anyhow. Disturb us, O Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we dream too little, when we arrive safely because we sail too close to the shore. Disturb us, O Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life, have fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. In our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, O Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push us in the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. This we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. We live by believing, not by seeing. Let's believe God for bigger things, greater things in this year. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org. 